Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Um, I got to make sure we leave time for the Israeli man who may have discovered the world's heaviest strawberry. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Russia is, well, somebody's bombing something in uh, eastern Ukraine. It's Russian, a Russian separatist group at the encouragement of Putin, everyone assumes, so that he can say, well, I've got to go in and save the Russians, the Russian population of Ukraine. That's what everybody's assuming is happening right now, because there's a lot of bombing going on. Yeah, I'm no great fan of A. Blinken, the uh, Secretary of State, but he absolutely nailed it on the the floor of the U.N. the other day. He just explained exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Putin would invent some sort of pretext, and in he goes. So we all remember a couple of weeks ago when Kamala Harris said this. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. It's amazing how much attention that has gotten. Well, it is an exquisite manifestation of what we've all observed for so long, which is people that come off as smart especially in politics. They're kind of good-looking, got a decent resume. Uh, you know, they make uh, flashy statements. I was that little girl. And you think, wow, okay, kind of impressive there. Yeah. And that little girl was me. And then, right, exactly. And then, <laughs> then when you get just below the surface, you find out that they're a halfwit. Okay? So play that uh, Kamala one more time, Michael, so people can truly enjoy it. It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day you know what the key to that is her hmm. swagger yes. the nonsensical yes. words with the swagger of i'm just laying some s on you right now <laughs> right good point so let me think semi good looking <clears throat> good resume comes off smart at first any names pop to mind how about gavin Mussolini, the governor of cal unicornia Gavi, Gavi boy, came out with one the other day. He was explaining why conceivably in a few months he might let his subjects take off their masks in spite of the fact that you go around California and except in the bluest of blue paranoid hellholes, everybody get their mask off anyway. But... If fans, fans of a word salad, dig this, see what you think. Uh, not only will we announce a date, but the date will be uh, well within a period of time that I think will do justice to the needs to keep people confident that their children are being prioritized and healthy and safe at the same time to accommodate the understanding that we're trying to promote today that we are moving into a new phase of this pandemic. Well, I thought I thought I thought this time because that's the <laughs> second time I've heard with it. I thought this time I'm going to hang with it. No, I, I hung there for a while, but the, the corner was too sharp and I went off into the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. So either we're ending the restrictions or keep them going or you're threatening me. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's similar to what uh, last hour we were reading a transcript from a behind the closed door um, grilling of Walensky, the CDC director. It's similar. The reason they're talking that way, you know, you know, when you get confused is when you when you you're in a bad spot for trying to con when you're explaining to your dad how you put a debt in the car and you got no good explanation 
All you're down to is bull s, and you're trying to spin it best you can. Yeah, when you don't have a, a, something solid to say, that's when you get into those things. And Zelensky sounded, Wolinsky sounded like that, and Gavin Newsom sounded like that. Because what he's saying doesn't make any sense. You've got nothing to back up what you're doing. So, that meandering mess there. Give it to me one more time, Michael. Uh, not only will we announce a date, but the date will be uh, well within a period of time that I think will do justice to the needs to keep people confident that their children are being prioritized and healthy and safe at the same time to accommodate the understanding that we're trying to promote today that we are moving into a new phase of this pandemic. To admit that the children have been overwhelmingly healthy and safe the entire time and would remain that way, even if you ignored the presence of COVID on Earth, would be to admit admit their monumental wrongness through this whole thing. So they've got to spin a ridiculous a ridiculous yarn of bullspit instead and pretend that they're tr- still trying to keep your children safe. It's it's amazing. Like I said last hour, I'm almost glad I got to witness this because it's an amazing illustration of how once you give people power to take away your liberty, they will hold on to it forever because liberty can be messy and they don't want to be blamed for a mess. How long does this last is my question. How long? Because all this stuff you've been saying is true, but it can't go on forever. You, you can't continue to spin crap with no evidence back there to back up your your idea. But uh, Walensky said the other day, n- no time in the near future anyway is, she, is the CDC going to recommend taking off masks, despite Republicans and Democrats saying, what's your justification for this? Right, right. This is not as easy to weigh or measure as like uh, flour or salt in a recipe. Or but- a giant strawberry. What? <laughs> Good point. we got to get to that story. Um, <laughs> There's not but- much to it. It's when about the, what you'd expect. A guy in Israel <laughs> went out to a strawberry patch, and one of them seemed abnormally large. Boy, this is a BFS, he in said. Fr- in fact, this might be the biggest one I've ever seen. I ought to weigh it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is it's going to end when the absurdity and stupidity of continuing these measures becomes so overwhelming and so angering, and that might happen quickly that it overcomes the cowardice and intransigence of officials who, again, are afraid of liberty might bring something that makes me look a little mad, so I'm going to keep withholding everybody's liberty. And if you put up with that, man, you know, you're a chicken. I feel like that poor Russian skater girl's getting uh, beaten up quite a bit. Oh yeah, you got to beat up the the Russian Olympic Committee or the Russian uh, Olympic, you know, program, not the poor little girl who was incredibly talented, so they took her into their clutches and made her to take all sorts of drugs. I don't blame her. How come? She's not in charge of her career. Are you kidding me? Well, we can play a clip of what some of the announcers said last night after uh, you know, they did the medal ceremony cuz luckily the luckily luckily the Russian girl fell on her uh, her hind then right there. Land, landed right on her Kremlin. And, uh, took it in the took it in the borscht, <laughs> and didn't meddle, so it eliminated the problem of how are we going to handle this whole metal thing. But the the announcers were pretty rough on her, and I, I don't think that's fair. 
with uh, anyway. That, were they rough on her, or were they rough on the situation? We'll we'll decide. Uh, I guess that's a decent uh, distinction right there. Um, they're bombing in Ukraine. How far is this going to go today? We'll keep our eye on it. A bunch of stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Again, I can't imagine how tough this has been on Camila, and it makes me angry that the adults around her weren't able to make better decisions and guide her and be there for her because she's the one now dealing with the consequences, and she's just 15, and that's not fair. But again, with that being said, she should not have been allowed to skate in this Olympic event. I like that angle from Tara yeah. Lipinski on the Olympics last night. You remember Tara Lipinski? How many years ago she was like the 15-year-old phenom American gold medal winner? Well said, Tara. That's fair. But, uh, yeah, you can't blame that Russian girl at all. I guarantee you she had no idea what she has taken. The team doctor just has been giving her stuff since she was probably nine years old. And she just she just eats and drinks whatever they tell her to. Wall Street Journal with really quite a scathing piece about the Russian skating people and how they handled the poor girl after she fell and the rest of it. Honest to God, people who show dogs or people who like race horses, if if their you know dog failed or the horse broke its leg or something had to be put down, they would be much more heartbroken than the Russian people were to this human being. They treated her like less than an animal. What's that all about? Just the she system? Was a tool. She was a tool to achieve their own greatness. And when she was no longer a useful tool for the moment, they threw her away. Openly, brutally, cold and angry at her for failing. I wonder what happens to a these. Child. I wonder what happens to these athletes in China and Russia when they're done. Do they just like, you're just living in a village somewhere working a regular job? Probably. Hey, aren't yeah. you the gold medal winner from 15 years ago? I think if you're the gold medal winner, you continue to be a useful propaganda tool for the regime. And as long as you are, you will live a decent life. But God forbid you should speak your mind or, you know, do or say something embarrassing, then you're you're worse than neutral. You're quietly, you know, shoved aside. Yeah, that's interesting. Send you out to the hinterlands. Uh, it reminds me of um, Kim Philby, maybe the greatest spy of all time, who... Uh was a traitor to his own country, uh, Great Britain and the United States, both, and uh, for whatever reason fell in love with communism. But anyway, he spied for the Russians for many, many years, did tremendous damage to the West permanently. But when he finally, took, he, the, the jig was up and he went to Russia to live, thinking he'd be treated as a hero and get some big job in the KGB, they put him in some apartment and never spoke to him for the rest of his life till he died of old age. They had no use for him at that point. Wow. They don't care. Wow. I'm sure it's similar with these athletes. Uh, be the highlight of your life to be in these Olympics, and then, you you know, unless, like you said, there's some value for you, we're a big enough name, you're just going to go live your crappy life. Um, 
And that, that should be pointed out more in these Olympics. Why? What's the... What's <laughs> That's the, not going to sell any coke, well, you it, lunatic. It's not going to sell any coke. <laughs> but what's the point of pretending it's just a great story that these little kids from these horrible countries are having, you know, something great is happening for them? What's the point to sell coke? You're right. <laughs> and I, I loved the Olympics so much as a kid and a young adult. I waited with yep. bated breath, whatever that means, uh, for the Olympics all the time. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But uh, you got to be realistic. Yeah. Sports is better if, uh, if bad things are happening, but they're kept quiet. Sports was better when athletes had to stay on the same team and got ripped off by owners. Sports was better as a viewer. But it was incredibly and you, unfair. And you never heard if they got drunk or beat their wife or whatever, which I realize is dark, but... Right. You know? Yeah, they kept up the facade. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about Ukraine. There's a, there's a lot of bombing going on right now. I think it's the beginning of whatever it's going to be, and nobody knows what it's going to be, but it, there's a lot of bombing going on right now. Um. Apropos of nothing, the other night was the 40-year anniversary of... The beginning of the, the the show Late Night um, with David Letterman. It was the 40-year anniversary of David Letterman starting in 1982. Wow. Which I started watching at the very beginning in high school. And, wow. Um, so he was on Seth Meyers' show because Seth Meyers has his old show. I'm a little confused by this, why they, they, they still lend any credence to the names of these shows. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> the host is what matters. The Letterman show, the Carson show, the Fallon show. The the fact that Fallon has the Tonight Show, there's no continuity there. I don't understand why. It's like the joke I always tell about, yeah, this was my grandpa's shovel. I've replaced the handle twice and the blade once. Um, <laughs> that's what these shows are like. So right. Dave's showing up to whatever. Anyway, he was on Seth, and they played some old clips, which was really, really cool. And... um. Uh, reminded me, if you're a Letterman fan at all and you haven't read Letterman, The Last Giant of Late Night, oh, that is such a good book. If you were into the early Letterman, which I am convinced, I ended up in a YouTube rabbit hole last night on Letterman clips. He is the most important thing in uh, entertainment that has happened in my lifetime. He changed everything about wow. television. And radio claim and writing everything about comedy, just everything about entertainment. He changed with his cynical view. Um, Maybe America was ready for that. I don't know if if he just came at the right time. Um, I'm not sure it's good that we got so cynical. I think he was a baby boomer who really captured the Gen X zeitgeist. Could have just been the perfect person for the zeitgeist that was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, you think. Yeah, that, that. By the way, I, that was a good sentence from me, but it reminds me of like bad journalism. I hate. <laughs> he was a baby boomer who caught the zeitgeist of Gen X and rode that wind to a blah blah blah. Okay, so that's one pop culture note. Another one is this. Oh, by the way, you you, you sparked a thought in my head. If I'm on YouTube. Is it possible to go down a rabbit hole of videos about rabbit holes? I guarantee it is. As people okay. upload like a, a a billion videos per minute or something like yes. that. Yeah. I'm sure it is. How big's a rabbit hole? How deep do they go? Wait, I, we talk about this all the time, but there is endless great entertainment available to you, practically free. And instruction, for that matter. 
whatever it is you want. But God dang it. No wonder the people aren't uh, coupling and, and having babies or, or whatever it is. There's, right. there's so much entertainment available. Uh, speaking of entertainment, if if you uh, like jazz or, or have ever wondered about jazz, here's the song for you I've gotten into lately. It's from the album Sunny Side Up, 1959, the greatest year in the history of jazz. Um, from 1959, the uh, um, and the song is, and I've forgotten it already, um, After Hours. After Hours from Sunny Side Up. Listen to that. If you don't like that song, then you can just declare for the rest of your life you don't like jazz. But that is the greatest jazz song ever. All right? What's so the I'm name just, of it again? Uh, I'm going to look it up again. <laughs> um, Sunny Side Up is the album. The song is After Hours. It's the third cut. Okay. It's like 12 minutes long. Um, Dizzy Gillespie's horn solo is just freaking unbelievable. Anyway, so that's another thing. And then this one that is not as much fun. Yeah, throw on that album for your little soiree tonight. You're having a couple of drinks. You're milling around. Have that Have that on. The old drinking mill. I do enjoy that. <laughs> Here's a dark one. And this didn't get enough attention last week. I suppose because you got to be of a certain age to even like Hugh Hefner matters to you at all. But uh, one of the former playmates has come out and written a book and doing a lot of interviews on how uh, she had an abortion of Hugh Hefner's kid when she was 19, having had sex with her in a drug haze at one of his nightly orgies in which he would force all of the playmates to have sex with him, drug them up, just give them all kinds of drugs. And these children, you know, legally adults, but children, would be sexed up by this old, dirty man. And somehow, for decades of my life, he was held up as like the symbol of class and etiquette and sophistication. And sophistication. Right. He was an old perv who raped young women. Pretty Every, much. Everybody should know that that's who and what he was. And nothing else. Let's dig him up and kick his bones. Huh? Justice. If you miss an hour of the show, listen to the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. So I declared this a little while ago. I think maybe the greatest jazz song of all time. Crank it up there a little, Michael. And uh, it's After Hours. When does the singing start? Sunny side up. There's no singing, and this is kind of the funny thing about it. So it's 12 minutes long. They're listening to it out in the newsroom because they heard me declare it the greatest jazz song ever. You know, if somebody does that, you kind of want to check it out. Sure. And uh, and Alex says, when does the horn solo? You talked about the oh, horn solo comes like six minutes in. All right. And they're like, six minutes? Come on. It's the TikTok generation. You got to get to everything like it. It's got to be eight seconds. Well, listen to that pinano. Oh, yeah. It's a whole, it's, I'm telling you. But that's why I'm just saying, if you don't like this, you don't like jazz, which is perfectly fine. It's just I'm just letting you know, if you want an intro to the world of jazz, check this song. So this is like a rapid COVID test, but accurate. Yeah. Okay. So turn it off. I'm still I waiting can't for the horn stand solo. It anymore. He's still waiting for the, still the waiting horn. Still waiting for the horn solo. It takes a long time for Dizzy Gillespie. I think he was in the back room when they started and he had to get his horn out. <laughs> oil, the val- up. <laughs> oil the valves. So, on a serious note, 
Um, uh, things are getting uglier in Ukraine. Here's NBC's latest reporting. Um, right now, everybody, Ukraine is accusing Russian-backed separatists in the countries east of more shelling. Uh, the U.S. and our allies warning Moscow might use a spike in shelling as a pretext for an invasion. And now leaders of Russian uh, separatist regions in Ukraine are ordering an evacuation of civilians. NBC's Richard Engels in Ukraine for us. Um, this is like a tinderbox at this point, my friend, right? you got separatists accusing Ukrainians of shelling. Um, you've got Ukrainians accusing separatists of shelling. This exact is exactly the scenario the Secretary of State um, kind of laid out yesterday as to the beginning of a Russian invasion uh, into Ukraine. And now this ordered evacuation of civilians uh, to Russia. Get to Russia, 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 Russia Engel. We don't want to hear you. I wouldn't make it exactly a, uh, an equivalency. It's not that you have the two sides lobbing accusations at each other. Uh, on, on this side of the border, on the Ukrainian side, uh, there has been shelling, and that has been well documented. Journalists have gone there. They've taken pictures of it. Uh, there's lots of video. There's lots of witness accounts. There are police statements. Uh, so there has been shelling coming from the separatist areas into Ukraine. Okay, and so they're running the videos right now, and maybe if you followed the news yesterday you saw that kindergarten that got blown up that was kind of mm-hmm. rubble and they 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 blew it up when they knew the kids weren't there on purpose a couple of teachers got hurt minor injuries from what i heard um but they weren't to use that now there are a bunch of buildings on fire there and uh i guess putin's gonna try to make the argument that i've got to go in to save the russian speaking population 100 percent. yeah that's that's that is like dictator invasion 101. But there's a lot of stuff on fire right now or in bits because there's sustained shelling happening right now. How long do the reporters hang around? Richard Engel standing there with smoke behind him. At some point, you got to get out, don't you? Well, those good war correspondents, man, they stay when the bombs are falling. Here's Martha Raddatz on ABC News last night explaining what it might look like in the beginning. U.S. officials are expecting a worst-case scenario with Russian troops going into Ukraine from at least three sides. They say this is Vladimir Putin's version of shock and awe, with missiles lighting up the sky, blasts throughout the city, then special forces going into Kyiv, the capital city, with a target list of military and government officials. One U.S. official telling me this would be the worst fighting since World War II. So that. That's on the table, going in with the special forces into Kiev and assassinating all the leaders to take over the country. Wow. Which is what you do. Um, Decapitation, they call it. Yep. So I was watching uh, news before I came to work, and a former NATO commander, American guy, don't remember his name, he said that's 25% likely in his estimation that the full Monty, the full go in, decapitate, take over the country. 25% likely that there's a negotiated settlement and there's not any bloodshed. Of course, he said that before this bombing started a couple hours ago. And then he said 50% likely that he takes a chunk of Ukraine, holds on to it, declares that a win, and that's the end of it. And extract some concessions in return for not taking the rest of it, I'm sure. Sure. So we'll see what happens. And then, you know, uh, you've always got the number of you out there saying, why do I care about this again? Why does this matter? I heard somebody ask the question the other day, and it was a pretty decent question. So I remember when they went in in 2014 and took a chunk of Ukraine, and it doesn't seem to have affected my life any, so 
Why is this? Yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, Lieutenant General, former Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg was on, I think, a special report with Brett Baer last night. And he was making some pretty sympathetic noises toward Russia that surprised me a little bit. Maybe we'll hit you with his reasoning in a second or two. Uh, after a quick word from our friends at Simply Save Home Security, beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you ever wanted to know what's happening at home when you're not there, who's approaching your door? Is it your kids, or is it some scumbag who's checking your uh, locks to see if he can jam oh, his way in? The scumbags. You got to get yourself the wireless outdoor camera from Simply Safe. Let's you know what's happening right outside your door on your phone. Alerts you when anyone approaches. Got to have a special scumbag camera. You can really right. see their faces. Know it. It's Billy from down the street. I knew it. Uh, Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day, and you can set it up yourself in around thirty minutes. No long-term contracts or commitments. I think that's just because Simply Safe is confident you're going to keep using this thing because it's so good. And then you got twenty-four-seven monitoring by professionals ready to dispatch police, firefighters, EMTs, whatever to your home. Right, or dispatch your neighbor to your home because the package just got there. You're going to see that on your smartphone. Go to simplysafe.com/armstrong. Uh, Customize the system for your home in just a couple of minutes. Claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. It's true that in 2014, Russia carved off a chunk of Ukraine. Crimea, they took that area, and it has had no effect on my life. So my feeling would be that if he takes a chunk of Ukraine again, it sucks if you live there. But I don't think that's going to... I do think it affects everybody's life if he takes over the whole country. That is just a signal to the world, okay, we're into a new era now. Mm-hmm. Countries can just take other countries. And the, China responds to that. Russia responds to that. Everybody responds to that. Sure. But please, keep your eye on Africa. You want a, You want bloodshed. Good Lord. Uh, the new age of conquest. Sure, why not? Uh, quick note. First of all, I thought this was interesting in terms of domestic politics. Tucker Carlson has been... Oddly sympathetic to Russia for a long time, uh, to an extent I don't quite get, but, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, but I thought this was an interesting point. Play number 40, if you would, Michael. Russia is a very comfortable topic for Joe Biden. He enjoys talking about it much more than talking about, say, inflation or crime or fentanyl deaths or about how half the population of Haiti appears to be showing up in Florida in leaky boats. Those subjects may interest you since you live in this country, but not Joe Biden. Despite appearances, Biden doesn't actually live here. In his head, Joe Biden is floating high above the Sea of Azov, swooping in over southeastern Ukraine like a Botox superhero, just to make sure everything's okay with his little buddies, the Ukrainians. Whoa. Yeah, he's very, very cynical about Ukraine for some reason. Um, So, is is it believed Joe Biden uses Botox? Oh, yeah. yeah. John Kerry, I always saw his Botox. Biden uses Botox, huh? For ages. Mm. Absolutely. Undeniable. Anyway, uh, by the way... I got very, hairy legs. Very, very briefly. Because um, uh, Tucker mentioned Haitians showing up at the border. Uh, January of this year, almost 154,000 illegals encountered on the border. In one month, almost 154,000. That's about double the previous year and four times two years prior when Trump was president. Unfreaking believable. Our borders are a disaster area. Humans are pouring in from the third world by the hundreds of thousands and immediately put on the public dole. Now, it's an enormous crisis, and and frankly, we could be talking about it every single day. Anyway, I thought I'd mention it before we move on. It's unbelievable. 
I know it is. It's unbelievable. Let's talk about it a, a lot Monday. Uh, but I mentioned uh, Keith Kellogg, the uh, the former lieutenant general. Give us uh, number 33, if you would, Michael. And he looks at this as if he doesn't have a buffer. He believes it's sort of like, an, it, it's similar, it's analogous to having Cuba with their missiles uh, f- focused on the United States, and he kind of looks at it the same way. The distance between the border of Ukraine to Moscow is only about 500 miles, and he, he considers that a real threat. Looking for a buffer. Hmm. Don't we all need a buffer? So if uh, if Russia did take Ukraine, though, then he would be bordered by NATO nations. In effect, but he's back there in the Kremlin. So, uh, gotcha. you know, Ukraine's the, the tripwire. Back to the buffer zone. Yeah. 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 So uh, some of the dollars and cents of the bums and junkies programs... Uh, came across a brilliant piece spelling it out. It will blow your mind. Do you want your mind blown? You can either listen to that long jazz tune Jackson uh, <laughs> pimping over here for some reason, or you could stay tuned for a Bums and Junkies update. Amazing stuff. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. It's understandable why people want to take masks off the kids, but right now, given the level of activity that we have, it is risky. Which hour was it that we spent the the time talking about the CDC and masks? Was that hour two of hour the show? Hour two. Grab it via podcast, armstrongandgetty.com, or wherever you like to get podcasts. Uh, they have begun closing the CDC because our indictment of it was so effective, so scathing, so surgical. They've decided to close down the CDC and never reopen it. Yeah, if well, you haven't heard, that'd the be tr- true if there was any justice. If you haven't heard the transcript from the behind closed door meetings that leaked out, yeah, check out hour two. Unfreaking believable. Couple of things, a little bums and junkies update for you. I found very, very interesting. First of all, a consortium of the super rich people and corporations in the Seattle area are giving ten million dollars to address homelessness downtown. Uh, the investment will set up and fund a team from the new King County Regional Homelessness Authority designed to triage and alleviate homeless camping from Belltown to Little Saigon. Are we the only ones that uh, use the term, I believe we coined, of the homeless industrial complex? Because that is just a thing. And needs no, to I be, think the others are familiar with it. It needs to on. be commented on regularly. Yeah, yeah. So they are going to attempt to apartment people out of being meth heads and fentanyl addicts. Anyway, I wish them luck. At least it's uh, private money and not money taken by force from taxpayers. True. Speaking of which, uh, Theodore Tolentino of the California Globe with a really interesting piece of journalism. I'm going to quote some of it uh, for you. The point is the numbers, which are really striking. As government, and now this is talking about Cal Unicornia, obviously. 
As government agencies around the state have begun to build permanent supportive housing projects for California's estimated 160,000 homeless people, most of them bums and junkies, much attention has been focused on the cost of these programs. Not much attention has been paid to the economic value of permanent supportive housing to the participant, a figure that could, when including medical coverage, which you can get, free or subsidized rent, direct cash payments, etc., run up to about $40,000 per person per year. The cost covered by various government agencies at the local, state, and federal level would mean that if Los Angeles were to house all of its estimated 70,000 homeless people in permanent, uh, permanent supportive housing, the value to the residents could be about $2.8 billion per year, more than $6 billion statewide. To put the size of the effort in local perspective, if permanent supportive housing advocates get their wish, and they're working for this very hard, and every Los Angeles-based homeless person got an apartment, that would mean creating more units than are currently held by the Irvine Company, which is an enormous company. The annual value benefit figure, which is an approximation, may vary from person to person, from project to project, is about the same as California's median per capita income. Whoa! and could provide a standard of living equivalent to having a job that pays about $19 per hour and includes benefits. If you are a junkie... That makes sense. If you are a junkie in California, you make as much as the median income with benefits doing no work and being a junkie. Now, now, everybody, sharpen your number two pencil... Your essay question is, why do you think there are so many bums and junkies in California? I'll let you get to work. Why do half of all the homeless people in America live in California? Yeah, you try to figure that out. Also, I remember, I don't remember what I was reading the other day, but some article from one of your major publications where somebody mentioned our increasingly fraying social safety net. Is, ah! this, is this part of the fraying of the safety net? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. By the way, if uh, part of your answer includes, well, apartments are expensive. Now, I will jab you with my number two pencil, (laughs) all right? And you'll have it coming. Right in your hole. Oh, easy now. (laughs) Unbelievable. So, related but not, Southern California man arrested three times in one day. James Langdon's, that's got to be getting close to the record. James Langdon's first arrest happened at 3 a.m. in Glendale in L.A. Led officers on a foot pursuit. Uh, the 47-year-old was arrested for alleged obstruction and taken to a hospital after he requested medical attention. He was later released in order to appear in court at a later date. Several hours later, he was arrested for a second time for allegedly trespassing inside a Glendale business after an employee said they found him trying to enter a closed area with a screwdriver. He was trying to rob the place. I guess all you can bust him for is trespassing if you stop them before they rob the place, but that's what he was doing. He was arrested for trespassing, but released three hours later during the, due to the county's emergency $0 bail order. Then at 7 p.m., uh, you know, he started at 3 a.m., early bird gets the worm. Um, at 7 p.m., <laughs> Officers responded to reports of a break-in at a city apartment, allegedly found him in the hallway outside an apartment where the resident said the door was left ajar and things had been moved around. When uh, Langdon saw officers, he allegedly ran back into the empty apartment and barricaded himself inside. Officers had to set up a perimeter, and an, and after an officer went into the apartment, negotiated his blah, 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 blah. He was arrested for felony vandalism. He has caused around $6,000 in damage to an apartment building. 
He remained in jail now on $150,000 bail after his third arrest in one day. <laughs> well, we've wondered aloud, Was what does it take to be held? How many crimes do you have to commit? Now we have the answer, three per day. So three and four, seven. So he actually pulled it off in, uh, what, like 16 hours. So it's not even a full day. Well, a full work day, but let's not quibble. That's right. you got to sleep sometime. Right. Yeah. Even if you're on buttloads of meth. <laughs> well, sometime you have to and sleep. And he kept yes. getting caught before he did the real damage he was hoping to do. I'm just glad he didn't stab anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah. these stories end up with a with a dead person and, and, and a person who's been arrested over and over and convicted over and over again, finally going to jail. But it takes a dead person. You cannot... What does that guy say? You can't uh, prosecute your way out of inequality or whatever the hell it is. We cannot prosecute our way out of the desperation we see. I am Martian the Martian. I am Kermit the Frog if Kermit the Frog was born in Transylvania. I am George Gascon. I am a phony and a liar and a Marxist. We, we can't play that clip because we still do not have a computer system in which... There we go. I am proud of our entire team in the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. We cannot prosecute our way out of social inequalities, income inequalities, the unhoused, yeah. the desperation that we have. Okay. Hey, hey numbnuts. Yeah. Hey, numbnuts. How many times does a person have to show you who they are before you believe them? This guy got arrested three times and... Day and I'm guessing it's not the first time he's ever been arrested either. We we European Muppet frogs wonder how Kermit have sex with pig. <laughs> how is a frog married to a pig? You can't prosecute your way out of bestiality. <laughs> of course, if they're both beasts, is it bestiality? It shouldn't be. Certainly unnatural. Yeah. So, nice job. Of course, who am I to judge? This is the way we do it around the country now. You can get arrested all day long, over and over again. What the hell? What the hell? It's like the beginning of the show. We were talking about it. Chaos and disorder is the natural state of things. Civilization, law and order, being able to pursue your life and liberty and pursuit of happiness, that's a miracle. If you ever miss a chunk of the show, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty.